secure your necessary muffin repository by visiting us at utilitymuffinlabs.com, on Facebook at Utility Muffin Labs, on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM or Utility Muffins, all one word, on Instagram at Utility Muffin Labs, one word. Support the labs on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and finally, adorn your human form with our t-shirts at tpublic.com slash users slash Utility Muffin Labs. Utility Muffin Labs, think homogenous. This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I'm Nathan. And I'm Bob. And uh, as always, we're the same people that do the podcast every week. That's awesome. So this week, we're going to be reviewing the revised edition Shamase clan book. I'm going to call it Shamase. I'm going to try to maintain that level of consistency, because even in casual conversation, I can't maintain consistency when talking about the name of this clan. I call them the Zemitsi. See, that's... And, and just and just so you know, that's Bob appropriate. Yeah. So I'm going to call them Shamase, because that's what I want to call them. Um, and Bob's going to call them Zemitsi. Is that what you said? Zemitsi, yep. Okay. And you can call them whatever you like, too, because uh, this is a fictional game. Bottom line, everyone pronounces them differently. So Land choose your... Yeah. of inclusion. Pick your poison. Uh, your proverbial poison. Point is, lesson... Of language mm-hmm. is that we invented a series of systematic series of words we can all agree mean the same thing. Uh, yeah, I mean it's essentially just a series of sounds that come from our throat that we articulate with our lips and tongue, form with letters, uh, and we psychically pass on what we mean to other people, like so. a child reaching out going ow ah ow ah. He wants right. water. It's language. It's child's language. Wants something. It's all good. So let's talk about this clan book. <laughs> hey, uh, this clan book uh, comes to us by Lucian Solban. And of course, James Stewart. James Stewart. I believe Lucian Solban's the same one out of the Montreal by Night, right? Uh, it sounds right. Sounds like a, that could be a fact. Because uh, I like this book too, and it has a lot of dark elements that I was picking up on. I yeah. don't know if you did too. Well, I mean, obviously, it's the, it's it's one of the darker books. So we'll just level with you players. Like, obviously, the Sabbat, the clans of the Sabbat are going to be darker inherently, right? Because they're they're considered like the villains of this game, even though they're not. Necessarily but to make a distinction, Clan Book of Sombra, no pun intended, not as dark. <laughs> well, we haven't gotten there yet, so let's you know, not. No, I mean, like yeah. even even as a whole, uh-huh. right? It's just not. It's, they're just not written that way. When people think of Sabat, bloodthirsty monsters running around doing stuff, they think of Zemitz. Right, right. That's what they think of. This delivers. I'm just saying that in terms of of even writing voice, this one was written like even the first story right. in this book, Winterfiend, is something that was very detailed. It sucks you in. It makes you with uh, the um, the main character, right? And it's telling the backdrop of how they were, you know, frozen winterland. They're up in the lands of the of uh, wherever they're at, Russia. Yeah, I believe they're in Russia. Yeah, and uh, they're connect, but they're near these strange mountains because they're supposed to be allegedly they made it as far as uh, near the near the Romanians, near the Carpathians, somewhere near the foot of it, or maybe a little higher. But it's winter hell, yeah. right? Everything's frozen. And this contingent of tanks has to link by cable because the snow drips, right? Right. Uh, between one another, but they don't have the supplies. Yeah, because the visibility is so poor because of the storm. And and this is reminiscent to me of 
those those tales of uh um like the battle of the bulge right like, yeah like, if we if we look at it from an american perspective like this is obviously these are nazis that are trudging through russia in the winter to try to overtake russia or more likely now they're on the retreat right and they don't have they don't have anything they're out of right. gas. They're out of stuff to burn, and they're out of heat. <laughs> yeah, and, and heat right. heat is more important than right. food and water at this point because you freeze to death, and nothing else matters. Right. And so it's an interesting dialogue between the two survivors who are trying to kind of figure it out, and they talk about how the unspoken truths of thief of thievery in war, like the the younger officer knows that he's obviously lesser rank, and addresses the commander accordingly. And, or the lieutenant, forget his rank is, but the point is the guy who's upper. Right. And the guy who's upper doesn't comment on the fact that the, the lesser officer is wearing higher rank clothing. Lesser officer doesn't comment that he's wearing stuff that was taken from the enemy. Right. You know what I mean? how can you? It's, at this point, it's survival. Right. And then, you know, he tells him, he tells him I didn't have any paper to write down what I've been finding. And it's because the more experienced officer knows it's because he stuffed his pockets with the paper he could find to retain warmth. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if you've ever held wads of paper in your pockets. <laughs> I never, I never noticed the the severe warmth I got from it. Well, you know what I mean, and, and I'll, I'll tell you like this because n- uh, neither of us, as cold as we think it is, right, or as snowy as we think it is, we've never experienced that level of cold. Russia cold, have we've, no idea, and we've never experienced having to be out in the cold for well beyond the point of discomfort. But I think something the writers did that was profound. They know the people reading this book probably never have either. Right. And I'm not saying they did it like, how would you know? I'm saying that we can all do the experiment in our own lab. Right. If you want to test just how what they were considering warmth would be, go wad some paper, put it in your pocket, and wait some hours. See, see if you notice the difference. Right. You know, that's what I'm getting at. And then in that cold, right? Like like we're saying, it was like it was mm-hmm. kind of terrifying, just those conditions. And then the guy starts telling them about how this tiger tank was, was set up. And uh, he went there, and, and the younger officer's kind of like terrified about it. And the older officer's like, suck it up. What do you mean more terrifying? We've been in this war. We've seen horror. What are you referring to? And he's like, there are men frozen stuck to the outside of the tank all around. Like every possible exit or entrance. And they're stuck there. And he said when he tried to get in there, he pulled on a guy and his face came off. It was frozen to the tank. And he left him alone and just, just left it. And the upper officer goes, stupid. That means there's things in there that we could use. Right. That's what that means. That means that tank was locked so good, no one's been in it. So go back there and loot it. And then you report back to me. You don't go to that guy who they say he was cleared to be uh, an an Aryan supporter of the Nazi movement, but we know by his dark-haired features and hook nose that he is probably of Jewish descent. And just Nazis straight up, Mm -hmm. right? And I was like, wow, man, that's... Right. It was a profound thing, right? And I'm like... I thought I was reading about the Zemites. Mm-hmm. I am. Bodies around the tank, right? We all know where this is going. Right. But then even when he gets no report back and he's out there, he decides that he'll go check the Tiger tank for himself because he didn't want he doesn't want that lesser officer either A, pilfering it and taking it back to the to the ranking quote-unquote Jewish officer. Um, he also wants to make sure that he gets something from it. Right. And so when he ends up uh, sitting in his tank contemplating this, something comes for him out of the snow. And he describes that um, something looks in, like snowdrift falling all around, but it peeks in real quick, creeps him out, and you can get that imagery, right? Right. And it's just a porthole, an eyeball, and then he fucking jumps away. And then something starts playing with the door entrance, 
like the steel door that's supposedly shut from the inside, it's able to open it. Right. And he's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Pulls the release, falls out in the snow, takes off running. And uh, later on, he runs to the tiger tank, finds the cable, goes to it, knows nobody's been in it. Clearly, it's secure because right. people can't right. get in it. It tears off the, the corpses, clears it away. And what's he find? Well, he finds uh, something something terrible, but also something marvelous at the same time. Um, we talk about how you know he had grown up uh, at a sheep farm and done some some time there as a child, and he'd gotten used to the smell of death, yeah. right? And and it wasn't so much the smell of death, but it was more like the smell of a butcher shop, and um, like there was also like the the stench of like feces and and urine and and waste and inside there the uh the officers inside of the tank the so the soldiers inside of the tank they had basically been assembled together in such a way that they wrapped along the inside of this tank to keep the heat inside and the cold out so they had been completely disassembled and it's and it's the psychology of it when he got in there he didn't care about the smell cuz he was warm right just didn't care right and it was sealed and he knew something horrific right is in this tank but it wasn't even the horror that struck him mm-hmm. you know initially it was but th- here was a guy who inherently whether it was from the cold or the war or all the death that he'd seen he had been so desensitized to the horror of it he was more struck by how brilliant it was how effective and efficient it was it was a marvel and even and, his words right how beautiful Right. Is what he uttered. And I'm, and I'm looking at this guy and I'm reading this story and I'm like, this is a person who is beef. This this guy's fit to be a part of this fucked up clan. Like, and that, that, that's pretty much, you can see the results and how it ends. Right. right? That does, does end with exactly that. Right. But I found the horrific differences, right? Because when he talked to the Zemeets in there, the conversation back and forth, he's coming, he sees someone who's perfectly Aryan. Right. Like right out of the books. Like so so much so that it hurts. Right. Like this this guy I didn't think you were real. Right. And here you are. And he tells him, you know, about he comp he was he complains about the snow and blah blah blah. He goes, Well, I caused that. Mm-hmm. I can't even fathom that. Right. Being that soldier in that moment and some horrific thing tells me, Oh, I not only did this in here, I also caused the snow that caused you to be how you are right now. Right. Because I needed to eat. <laughs> right. I needed to come down and gather uh sundries and it's and it's your fault by the way i did this because your people failed to do what you said you were going to you were supposed to win right keep them off our land and you didn't and so now you're ours right and that mentality it was a it it is a twisted tale and it's a tale that um i can give you all the image that i had when i first read this when i first read this clan book um you know i was like 19 20 years old and I knew this clan already. I had read the previous clan book, but like that story, regardless of what comes after this, that story is what captured me hook, line, and sinker. Because to me, winter, the storms of winter, that overwhelming, like the thing, right? Yes. That stuff to me is compelling and frightening. It is like cold to me, socks like extreme cold when your body starts to slow down and you start to feel pain and then you stop feeling pain because you know you're starting to die. Like, you know, not to get overly extreme, but, you know, we've all, those that live in a climate that have winters, like Chicago or Minnesota (laughs) or Norway, right? Like any of these places, 
Like you've all walked long distances that you didn't want to have to walk in crap weather. And parts of you are bitter cold, no matter what you do to cover it. And parts of you are so hot, you're sweating. And it's just like your body's like, this isn't right. We don't belong here. And to read that and to feel the, you know, just mentally to feel a little bit of that, that chill. And then to have it countered by the horror of someone who manipulates flesh like it's clay. Yep. Like it's their playground. You know, to me, that, that, that horror, that's what captivated me immediately and i agree so completely so it's a good story it's a short one but it's just like every any other one in the book it gives you an idea of what you're working with and i'm sitting here staring at this going i can't believe we just passed it over uh the of course sasha vikos Mm -hmm. on the cover yeah uh beautiful like just decadent the expression capture that the artist put on the front of this is yeah and 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 i i have to admit when i first saw these clan books i was not super enthusiastic about the artwork right because i i was i was particular about the old uh timothy bradstreet artwork and on some of the clan books it works really well for instance the bruja clan book i think works really well in the original clan book artwork right if you take this and you compare it to the Shamase clan book from the, the second, the original one, I it's worlds apart. This is that, this is the horror of that clan. What the fuck is going on in the background? Right. right. But in the original one, it's just, it's an attractive woman hanging from something. Right. Just looking like, ah, looking kind of posh. Right. But like this one is a monster with the image of perhaps an old man or something, and then just a legion of chattering monstrosities. But something the first one had, this one doesn't. No, no vagina. vagina mouth on the right. back. Right. But also, we, we get we get something even better, too. We get an actual clan symbol, not just a capital That's T. That's correct. Right. So, but, I, but we're seeing the uniformity of the company, too. Right. We're, we're, we're about yeah. immersion, not, not going for cheap pop. Right. And we're, we're, also, we're also taking this concept and we're, we're ironing it out to a degree that like there seems to be a history there seems to be this clan existed for you know since the dawn of time and it wasn't just an afterthought in the creation of the original line and that's what i like to call amazing and what i like about this is that this clan the clan book seems to be told um from again uh cultural perspectives of different zemis right chiming in and mentioning it at one point in the book it gets to be a single zemis talking to a methuselah that recently awoke right and just like spent 700 years torpid and is now getting caught up mm-hmm. but yet you get this knowledge and that layout's awesome something that they did at the beginning too that i do enjoy you get a lexicon off the bat right it's something it's like and it's not long it's like read these terms so you know when they're mentioned so it doesn't slow your reading right when you go through of it. course because there are going to be terms that are used in here that are not common terms to you know your standard american audience right we don't have these words in our lexicon so you know we need to learn them um but yeah it's not it's not long it's not like you know f- like a full you know like the beginning of it's a, like maybe three paragraphs right I mean, exactly so there's a couple of terms that you're gonna you're gonna learn and you're you, you should use because they'll help you to role play that if you decide to make a character that would use those terms right because the beauty part about this clan there's there's no right or wrong way because it is a clan of 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 water right it's like uh it's like the bruce lee idea of water right and i want to hold to to interpret what you're saying there isn't uh 
there's indeed a wrong way to go about understanding what those terms mean. Right. It's the pronunciation. It's not so much. But you need to hold to it as well because traditionally, if you're speaking to an older world as a mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're young as a fine. Pronounce how you're going yeah, to. Yeah, and that's that's what I mean. Like, but if you're going to be talking to someone older who is of your blood, you better know how to pronounce right. these terms. You know, it's one of those things. It's cool that you made up your jargon. It's great. It's really good for players. I think it's these clan books and really most of the material, they're great for storytellers because they're going to help you, even if your players don't necessarily perceive the realism of the game, it's going to help you to present it in a way that your players will go, oh, wow, like this, this world is deep. <laughs> yes. It, you know, it's not just, it's not just one dimensional. And uh, diving in, right. I mean, just to get to it, uh, the Progenitor's Legacy is where we start. And here we get a different take of Enoch. It seems since Clan Book Asimite, we started taking turns where it's instead of maybe we guessed that this might have been, possibly could have happened, it turns into definitively, no, this is what it was. Right. Every clan says, no, this is the truth. Right. And that's, uh, and that's what it goes, uh, well, a lot of the, like, like the, even the revisers, some clans are like, well, here's what, here's what we believe it is. Right. But the people who get absolutes mm-hmm. are those who had an intimate level with their antediluvian. Right. The Zemis have a different way of that. Right? right. So referring to specifically, off the bat, they talk about the progenitor was screwed. Right? Just right. initially. You know, you know he wasn't this, some grand walking guy who Cain happened to embrace, you know, or nothing like that. Or he might have been second gen, but what? It's literally, no, nah, he's an Antiluvian. And he was an Enoch. And uh, how he got made is because Inesh, good old Enoch himself, uh, decided he wanted to get rid of his beast. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm think of that. I don't want my beast. I'm super powerful. And who knows what I can do. So I'm going to distill and do all these weird rituals to get my beast right. nice and starved. And then I'm going to throw it into this mage over on the side. Wizard, excuse me, that they said, which which was the, the eldest, as they refer to him. They don't really give him a name. Right. They just commonly say he's a meese, but they but it is their progenitor. And that super beast gets thrown into him, and then he's embraced. And he's like, cool. Yep. He should die horribly. But he didn't. <laughs> right. And then right. he's just like, well, he should, be driven, he should be incredibly insane and ravenous. But he wasn't. Right. And so I was like, okay, whatever, redheaded stepchild. You're allowed to live, but I'm cool because I don't have to worry about my beast now. And I'm going to walk around, except he also realized, nah, it's still there. <laughs> nah, Enosh, you still have a beast. It's right. just whatever you did, you really put him on for a ride. Well, what is it that he did? Well, let's just say if you're a wizard, you're one about life hacks. <laughs> Can we admit? Yeah, right. Like, he's a guy figuring it out that, you know, I, all my occult knowledge, I'm now a vampire with this these super predatory urges. And he's like, cool, let me go read how to get rid of him. That's That's bar one. I don't want to have to be eating people every time I walk around gets in the way of throwing fireballs. Right. So let's figure it out. And that's one distinction that hit me. Wait a minute. He didn't lose his magic. Yeah. It's, it's weird like that because like, you know, when we go back to prehistory, the perspective is from reading this book, there must've been a lot of very potent magicians back then, but what does that actually mean right if you go back in in this line to early uh like first or second edition like they describe like hellfire raining down right we talked about the Asimites in the previous uh uh one of the previous podcasts and we talked about how like holy crap somebody wakes up and just erases a whole clan's curse yeah you know so like like the the potency 
I don't know what they were playing with, right? You know, I I have no idea, but we know right. it was deep. We we can agree that the power level is an exponential difference. Right. That gap is not even fathomable. These are earth know. earth changing levels of power. Because of that, we know the closer you get to Kane, apparently there's a point where where we know fourth gen we can look stats on. But even then, it's ridiculous they have them. Right. So we know that gap to third has got to be a gulf of power to cross. Right. Why hammer at home? This dude's running around with his magic, but can't focus on it because all he wants to do is eat shit. And they talk about him being introspective, right? Because as he's using it, he's like, oh, man, I got all this power. But look what I could do with the mortal body. Flesh is mine. I could do whatever I want with it. Everywhere I go, I could just, you know, change it, look at it, move it. It's mute. It's uh. It's mine to play with. It's mine to to make whatever I choose, inside and out, and that's a phenomenal concept, right? It's like what, wow, and when he's able to do that, nobody else has exhibited this power before, and it's like for the first time we have a reason why vicissitude came about. The first time we have an explanation of where it came from, and we know it to be um, what Inesh did. He tried to make his beast something that he could transfer, and apparently that hunger was given to him. And for some reason, inside his amis, it makes it something else entirely. And we don't know how he doesn't know how or why he's able to do it, but he can. Right. And so what do you do with it? Well, you experiment. Right. You know, and he's running around, messing with people, trying to figure it out. And one thing I like that they hammer in here is that even his outlook was everyone's just stuck with their mundane, I'm immortal forever and I'm going to be the same. Well, he knew there was a fundamental flaw with that. He could already feel that eventually feeding on animals isn't going to work. Right. And mortals won't be enough. And sooner or later, I'm going to end up eating my own. Right. So um, I should have some. Yes, please. And thank you. And, and yeah, I should have some. And then I think deeper, right? I'm like, he was trying to find a way to get out of it. Right. And, and the way that I'm interpreting this, and, and again, this leaves a lot to interpretation because these are stories of like the ancient times. The way that I'm interpreting it is the unique nature of whatever this clan's founder was somehow gave him this gift of of using flesh like it was clay. And, it, it, you know, obviously we know it's completely unique. Now, there have been tales in other books that, you know, make it something it's it's we're, we're going to disregard here. Um and of course they do in revised edition they they disregard that that's not a thing um but because of whatever it was it has this unique perspective on change right and um correct me if i'm wrong but i think a big a big sort of um concept in mage is that ability to change and alter and rea- you know reality being able to manipulate reality well they want to ascend right Right. Is what they're talking about. And whatever that ascension is for them is, right. is that ideal. Right. I don't think that has anything to do with the Zemis. That's fair. That's fair. I, I'm just I'm trying to draw correlations where maybe they don't even exist, right? I'm just seeing that a big a big concept with the founder of this clan, with the Shamse, is its desire to change, to evolve, to find that spark of growth. And they and they define that in here. That mm-hmm. change comes from because he knew to remain as he was, to do nothing means he will inevitably feed on himself and die right right that's what it comes from he knew that was going to happen to him Mm -hmm. so the change was i have to overcome my weaknesses right to overcome those weaknesses specifically the hunger well i'm gonna have to figure out a food source to sustain me right 
And that and that's that change, that evolution. Because in order to understand that, he had to understand his body, but then other creatures. But the immortal body's stagnant, right? So he becomes fascinated with mortals. Well, he he'd had a childer. Well, he had a childer because he was like, okay, if you look at the mortals, chilled, chilled, yeah. If you look at the mortals, mortals have to change. Mm -hmm. They have to adapt. But the curse of the immortal is that you cease to ever have to change again. Right. And so that's where that change comes from. Right. So he ends up studying mortals, and he says, "I got to study all mortals." Because studying just this region of mortals isn't going to be enough because they don't have to deal with a hot climate. Some have right. to go to where there's a hot climate. They have to go to where there's even more forbidden areas and worse and worse. Create some things myself. Truly understand what it is to have the flesh to adapt. Right. So I can adapt. But then he realized that the real curse that Inesh gave him in, in one of his sojourns of him traveling, he distantly diabolizes one of his children. Right. Because he was starved. Right. And he was like, shit. He's and like, it, oh, I don't want to do that again. So, right, exactly. So he learned, but they show that that dude wasn't, throughout this process, he's not some inhuman monster right. going around doing what he is. He was a wizard forced to, sat, to saddle this monstrous existence. He was fucking cursed. Right. Enish thoughtlessly made him what he was. And so he, I'm not going to say he's a loving person, but I'm going to say he's, it's like a human. You know, I have to figure out how to get the fuck out of this because it seems that you're not bothered by this, Troil. Mm -hmm. so i gotta go and when he leaves he decides to go far away from enoch because we're still at enoch right right <laughs> right He's, he has to go far away from enoch where there is no real mortal populace because he decides well i'm gonna create some mortals to travel with me so i have blood because i learned my lesson but i need to make children right why i'm making children is because one day i'm gonna have to take that blood back because if what i'm doing goes south and i can't find a way the only way is going to be them and I don't know if I'm going to have the wherewithal to stop myself from doing it by then. But he knew he didn't want to eat the world. Right. See what I'm saying? Right. And I'm not saying there's an established conscience to it. But again, it feels like there's a stopgap, a scientific mind almost, to understanding some outs right. to your situation. And he goes primordial, right? He's like, I'm going to study the ice caps melting. You know, so I'm going to go someplace so far fucking remote that it'll enable me to do one thing. Get... Re, I haven't done it in a century. I need to get reacquainting with my magic. Right. Because after studying mortals as far as I know I can go, there must be another way through this. But he finds his magic isn't even what it was. And like the connection isn't there. And so not that he can't do it, just didn't seem to be enough. Right. Because he's just been kind of worrying about the internals and not, you know, hit the practicing his craft sort of thing. And what the outline is, is where he went was Europe. Right. Europe was his. What I like about this point, they describe Europe as being a frozen wasteland, a mountainous terrain, right? Right. What, what's funny is what, what you had there was a little kind of, I don't know if the, the writers meant this. Mm -hmm. Millions of years ago, Europe was a tundra-like wasteland, right? And that's that's just what it was. That's just how the earth was. And to say that Enoch was back that far, I mean, it's a long time ago. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they if they're necessarily describing that, but you know, they they when you talk about going up into northern Europe into the Carpathians, like it's a frigid place. It's well, they distinctly talk about it being uh, Europe period. No one was okay. there, and so that was theirs, right? And and that terrain was apparently unforgiving. That's mentioned in here, right? But what I I don't know to what end, but I'm just saying that it was just fascinating. Right, right. Yeah, that you're falling on, but oh, yeah, and, and this is this is like early, early, early. This is like before right. the third generation killed the second. Like this is early, early shit. So he's over there with his tribes, figuring it out and doing right. what he can. And you know he's up in these in these caves doing his thing, and he makes Yorak, right? 
Now, Yorak is, is a special guy. We can say that. And uh, why he's fascinating is because he's heralded as being the one very in touch with, with Kaldonic Sorcery. Like, not even Prodigy. Like, almost saying Yorick had it before he mm-hmm. got embraced. Well, we know it's because the Carpathians is where the Kapala is. Right. Right? That's where that demon sleeps. It's right. trapped. And uh, we were we were riffing on it. Yeah. <laughs> earlier I mean, today. Like, like, to me, when I'm reading this, I'm like, there, there's like, this clan is like, yeah, I mean, there's a demon in the ground. We're cool on that, right? Like, you know, it just, it is what it is. It's, that's where we get our, our source of power. I mean, he's been there forever. <laughs> he's always going to be there. <laughs> Centuries ago, we're probably Pangea right, right, at this point. Right. At some point, a bunch of werewolves were like, whatever that thing is in the ground, fuck it. We're just going to make the Carpathian Mountains to entrap it. Right. Exactly. Right. Like an like, onion, like a fist holding a fly. Right. That, and that's what we're talking about. Like, these are these are times of immense power. Right. Where they talk about, you know, in in passing sort of concepts like, oh, these things are powerful enough to move mountains. Like, no, this is true. This is this is accurate. This is what happened. And they're and it's even the attitude of the book as they're telling it. Nobody's disagreeing with these statements. No. They're like, yeah, of course it was. Yeah, 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 we know. But we're beyond it. It's like, what are you doing with that knowledge? That's what we care about. Right, like, right. fucking keep reading. And, <laughs> you know, don't stop yourself. There's more. It's a, it's a cavalier way of, of just sort of addressing it. And it's a beautiful talk about how they encounter Kapala, because Kapala literally trapped, runs across, feels this entity, and just whispers to him. Yeah, it, to me it was like the founder of the clan. He got to the Carpathians, and, and of course they say, oh, it spoke to him. Like it really stirred something in him. He felt home for the first time, and and it was Kapala, and you know the founder was like, "Oh hey, how are you?" And the demon was like, "I'm cool. You want to do some magic?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, I used to do magic. It was pretty fun." All right, well, cool. Hang out here. And he was like, "I'm home now. This is my new home." And there's no real like you know how do how do you state that right? Like right. we weren't there. Right is what's basically ironing out. But you know one thing, Kapala was a powerful spirit of powerful nature spirits that are around at that point. They do highlight it was nature spirit. Mm-hmm. Problem is, is Kapala had the ability to inflict plague right. on whoever he came across, and that's why the werewolves didn't like him and got at him. Well, interesting enough, you trap him in the ground, you you make an enemy. Right. You clearly couldn't kill him because you could only trap him. And here's Zemis going, I'm trapped in my own flesh, but you got magic so I could tap the nose. Like, yep. right. So here's the deal, though. I want you to get me out, but when I get out, we got to go kill them. <laughs> we gotta kill them werewolves that's the right, deal right wait a second you asked me to come here to break you out so to enlist me to go kill some werewolves yeah i guess like sure okay cool that's what you do and they get they get broken out and the werewolves tried to stop them right so they sent some coming they come over to do it and they couldn't get it done big huge fight and then kapala ran ran like he was just sprung out of prison mm-hmm. jumps out and he's gone and the werewolves are like oh man and then he get killed <laughs> right that's more or less how it's written like it right. happened they're done bye-bye he's free though and then the ancestor the the eldest is like yeah i killed him and and they're out and i'm like okay cool that's kind of a rough shot way to go past it but then again consider the story right they're really like we don't know what the fuck was decided happened or how and this isn't about that point is the ancestor mechapal have a deal now we have one right and they've already they've already touched on the fact that you know the founder the founder is in us all right the founder he he's there's a little piece of him in 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 every one of us and they they very quietly emphasize this throughout the book like yeah i mean you know we know the founders in every one of us like but but it's it's not allegory it's 
for sure because we've we've devised a way and that's the other thing too this book focuses heavily on the concept of metamorphosism of changing and altering and constantly adapting because that was what the founder was all about he was all about finding that that spark of creativity to change to constantly evolve because the the vampiric form can't but he somehow transcends that and it's just trying to constantly find that transcendence but it's also remember when you read the book don't just think it's a thing you know because here's an often thing done when i hear about zemis even going through Mm -hmm. oh we do it to do it we do it because we're different no you do it because there's a purpose do you understand what that is Oh, well, no, you're overcoming weaknesses. You're becoming that next level of predator. It's to be something beyond the limitation. That's the point. Right. So um, that's the same thing for the founder. He needs to get rid of that fucking need to have to eat everybody and wants to find something sustainable. Because here's the thing that caught me. There's a little flaw. Ah, we'll save it for nerd words. Keep it that way. But the I want to keep that for nerd words. So, uh, moving on, we'll just say. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Carpathians, we got that going on. Um and again, we're neighbors to Enoch until the flood hits. And here's where the importance of us even talking about it. They establish an order, right? They have a place that's not Enoch that when the flood's hitting, they have to go further up into the mountains. They're already there. Right. And so they establish this system that says, hey, we'll allow you to come up. You know, your family can be here. We'll keep you safe. But one of your children are ours. Mm-hmm. We won't be so presumptuous to take your firstborn, but we will take one. Right. And then you're here. I'll, I'll, I'll do obeisance, whatever. If you bring a community, we're taking one family. And this is where they tell you this is where revenants came from. Right. They weren't eating everybody. Some would be servants. Some would be food. Some would be for experiments. But ultimately, it's to serve the new lords and masters who've kindly given you. Right. And that, that's the thing, that too, that they're trying to paint the picture of, is that this clan goes to a place, stakes its claim, and says, this is mine. You can't have it. You can only come here with my permission. I don't care what you're doing. Leave me alone. This is mine, right? And it's a mentality. Clearly, it's one that was acquired from the founder. We don't know his personality, but At we all. can but we can draw that conclusion that says there's something in him that that has that mentality where I am a king or a ruler or a voivode, and this is my land. This is my place. And, and, they, and it, it, it falls into what you're talking about. And they do mention that uh, this, this guy said he wanted to go find a place of his to grow mortals. Right. Literally to grow them. Right. Like to farm them. Right. To be, <laughs> right. His, to be his stock to find and do whatever. Well, yeah, it makes sense. If you, if you need to eat, you should invent farming. <laughs> Why do, right. We farm for a reason. Right. right. No farmer says, yeah, go ahead and have some of my, my fruit and vegetables and don't pay me and tell me about it. Right. You're going to be territorial, right? Right. right. That's it. And this is back before we staked the claim, but he was literally like, listen. This is Noah and the Ark, the flood, right? I went somewhere. None of y'all were. Right. Left you everything and then grew my own. And now you come to take my shit. Right. So let's let's establish it. So it's it's a good, I see the mentality. That's all I'm saying. But uh, so what happens? The flood comes, biblical, Enoch's destroyed, all that happens. And then as it's rescinding. The people who agreed to stay were great, but then there were those who didn't agree with the rules and didn't go with it, mm-hmm. survived however they did, and then they just rushed into Europe and boom, they're there. Right. Now, that's his take on it. Right, of course. <laughs> they all ran in and took our land and, oh, we're unhappy. 
And so, and so that's where it came from. Forever losing our land. Right. And so they're like, ah, oh, we're forever pissed, but we're slow to act. Right. Well, and it, it, it makes sense from the mentality of this clan. They're not quick to act. They're quick to embrace because, you know, at this point we have what? Uh, I don't remember exactly how many, but we have Yorak. We have Dracon. We have Dem Dem Day. Uh, we have uh, um, Bullyabog. Um, sorry for butchering those names. I'm just going off of memory. I don't yeah. know why I have the book in front of me. But because your memory's sound. Though, though, that's right. exactly that. So, so already this dude has embraced a small cadre of, of terrible entities. And they all have that little, this is what I do. Leave me the fuck alone. This is what you do. Great. There's something fascinating that happens with that, too. Everybody he embraces ends up going fiendish. Right. Right? The idea that getting embraced should not make you a monster. Well, you're a monster because you're a vampire, but it should not make you inhumane. Right. Those people do almost overnight by the way they're written, but also they're being told about through through legend. Right? We don't know the life right. of Dem Dem Day. You know, we only... Well, actually, we, we do. We know he was an African warrior. Right. That's what he was and he was made. But we don't know why he went so vastly different the way he did. Right. And, uh, honestly, my theory about it, my theory about it is that the founder wanted to find individuals that met every little key aspect of his personality because I believe he's growing through them. Right? I believe he's just planting seeds of himself in all of his children. And instead of the one entity, the one Shamase entity, you know, metamorphosizing, he's literally metamorphosizing through his blood. And in a way, I, I agree. He's like splitting his mind into different mentalities. The only difference, I think the monstrousness and the fiendishness of inherent in Zemi's blood mm -hmm. is because you're getting him. Right. Right. You're getting what he has to deal with but at a concentrated level, which means what is that guy? You know what I mean? It's it's like he's the he's the demon that comes out of nowhere and just says, "Hey, you, what I will take." Right. Well, and who knows what he has? And then he, then he makes you, and he leaves. He didn't stick around to teach him. Right. You are what you are, and learn, and go into the world. Right. Well, and and I think too, if we if we really dig deep into speculatory uh, places, regaining your magical potency from a demon probably might not be great for your personality. Probably not. Yeah, might make you a little fiendish. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I mean, it explains it, right? Right. Uh, to a point. I mean, this is theory, but, you know, that's all of this. So uh, rolling on from there, I think that uh, the, have you been a fan of the Anne Rice Chronicles. I've actually never read any of the Anne Rice material. So I, I, all I know is from what I've seen in the movies. So it's a strong interpretation of that is what this clan seems to be an inspiration. <laughs> from. Right. And it's only because in, in her world and uh, not to delay too much, but it does relate. Akasha and Inkle were the two first made vampires. And as they make more, they separate more of their own power into each vampire made. Right. And so too does another vampire. And allegedly they could kill anyone who their blood is, even from afar, if they so choose. Something crazy like that. And uh, that, that seems to be a theme held here. Makes sense. Right. Like there was an original source of evil, but it was too concentrated. Right. So you spread it around. Well, and I look at I look at this clan too, and you know I know normally we we go through kind of like step by step, but I, I kind of like this little banter back and forth because there's a couple of things I want to get out of my head so I don't forget them. First and foremost, this book to me so far, and there's there we haven't gotten very far into it, but so far this is probably the most telling for what is to come 
of the Gehenna plot, right? Right. Th- there is a lot of accuracy that's written into here that might be a little difficult to initially pick up on. I also like the fact that um, it they make the curse that Shamasay end up with from Cain make total and complete sense, right? So the third generation rose up, they killed the second generation. We know that story. Every clan tells it. But why why do the Shamasay have to sleep in their own dirt? Well, because they left home, right? The founder was like, I need to figure shit out, and he left, right? So he wasn't there. And so when Cain came back and saw what the third generation had done, he was like, fuck y'all, right? Okay, where's Shamasay? Where's he at? (laughs) We don't know where he's at. He left, and we have no idea. That motherfucker will have to sleep in the soil of his home. And they even talk about the founder being like, ah, damn it, I got to go home and get dirt? Shit, this is not going to be easy. I even, uh, I I think it comes from Dracula, the myth of Dracula. Mm -hmm. And White Wolf has no explanation. Right. They let you speculate. Right, of course. But we know it comes from Dracula. Dracula had to sleep in the earth, but we also know why. Right. You know, his, his earth, his homeland was the source of his power. It's where he was cursed by God. Right. So to that, what I'm saying is you're correct. Right. They, right? they made that the curse make sense for the whole clan. Because the curse comes from God to Cain and from Cain to whoever, and there it is. But the other take on it that I do enjoy, one does not make a deal with a demon and come away unscathed. And by the way, evil spirit is what right. I'm referring to as a demon. It Kapala does not come from hell. Yeah, it's demon-like quote like literally the definition of demon it's an evil spirit and that's and that's all it is and and even then evil is a relative term based on whether you benefit from it or if it's cursing Mm -hmm. you yeah absolutely and that's what it comes from and so kapala has to make something and if anybody knows anything about werewolf you have a ban right which you can't do to keep the compact with the spirit and you have to do this right for whatever reason let's assume kapala was bound to the earth and the carpathians that's considered the homeland flaw of, of those who were made there. Right. Right. And then later on, it evolves to wherever you were embraced. Right. And it sticks to home and it makes sense is what I'm saying. Right. And uh, that's, that's a hard thing to write to make sense anyway. And that's why I think it's free flow. Yeah. So whatever you choose me, the point is you fucking do it. Or you get weak. <laughs> right. That's what it all right, comes right, back right. to. So I, I think right. that shit's cool. Um, the other part of this, cause we, again, this is revised. If you want to catch the in-depth deep dive of what they did and all, you know, Lugage and all the other stuff, we hit that right. in the first telling of clans and me's first edition. So I'm, I don't, I don't, unless you really want to No, the clans are inherently the same, right? Yeah. Like they're not, it, it, this isn't a different clan. This is just a revision of the history and of the telling. And a couple of things to take away from this after rereading this book that I really got a feel for personally like i've you know i've stated a number of times in many different podcasts i truly enjoy this clan but i forgot how utterly fractured they are right it is a clan of complete turmoil and we talked a little bit already about the metamorphosism and this clan's reliance on both the path of metamorphosis on the the uh, the constant change right but also the dark magics that come from the land the Kuldanic sorcery. They're the only clan that has that. Why? They're the only clan bound to the Carpathians. That's the source of their magic. And you have these lords, right? You have powerful individual lords, these voivodes. And again, they're like, fuck you. I'm going to embrace as many as I want and do what I want with them. And we end up in the Anarch Revolt. Well, why do we end up in the Anarch Revolt? Because there's embraced children that don't want to be bound to it. 
because it's a tale we've told a bunch of times, right? But the the fact is, is when, you, when we get to the Dark Ages, yeah. you'll definitely read, and we'll, everyone will be hearing why. It comes down to the fact that the elders didn't want to rule a clan, right? What was his plan to fix him? Fuck you! Right. I don't give a shit what right. you all. I've go only do. embraced all of you because at some point I'm going to have to kill you, right? And so when he vanishes, right, it's mm-hmm. just Yorak, right? They'd even here describe the posse of Voivode. That's a title given to the one who rules the clan is the eldest amongst them. Right. The most powerful. And after Zemis, they highlight it's Yorak. Right. There is no contest. There is no, it might've been someone. No, it's Yorak. Right. That's who it is. Did you make a cathedral flesh? Right. No, no? you didn't. Yorak did. Right. It's, <laughs> and it, I mean, it's simple. And why is that important? Because Yorak didn't care if it wasn't in the Carpathians. Right. If, if you weren't about the Carpathians, Yorak was like, you don't have to be here because this is my home. Please, right. you're, you're a guest of your family, but go and make your own. And so we set this example where what did they get? Oh, if I want my own power, I got to go make my own land and take it. All right. Well, I'm going to go do that. And then they fight. And then. Right. Well, they fight, they fight and they fight and they fight. And then, you know, the upstarts decide, well, we're going to go and we're going to eat the progenitor of this clan. <laughs> and it, 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 in the original clan book, it's very much like they got together and they did it, but did they really? And here, they don't even, they, they're just like, yeah, the, they. it's not, he, he didn't. They even tell you a story that I do love that's unique here, mm-hmm. where they're like, I got a hold of a salubri, and I read his little excerpt, and I got to tell everybody, um, this guy is prone to exaggeration. Right. But the salubri will tell you Samael, or Samil, uh, decided that he was going to, oh, lead this crusade against the Bali and he found their great evil and he storms Amici's home. <laughs> and he, yeah, you know, these knights came in and they snuck in and uh, God, I gotta tell you, they were like, oh, they, he describes them as demon. Really? They're Shlacha or Slakta, however you pronounce it. They're, they, they were our creations. These Shlacta. were our warriors or our guardians or these were our retainers or ghouls or loved friends. And they just came in and butchered them. Right. And then when he fights them, he saved his burning sword trick. For the eldest, and he hit the eldest with it, and the eldest uh, took his head off from the inside out. <laughs> right. Let me repeat that. He took his head off from the inside out. I read that line several times. Right. He didn't tear his head off. In my head, he did something like, you know, touched him, and then, like, willed the flesh to unravel, right? right? <laughs> and let him feel that I'm just removing your skull. Right, exactly. Keep the skin and then it's gone. And everybody else, whoever was in that place, he was like, if you still wish to fight, we will. But look what I just did. And everybody said, nope, we're good. And uh, whoever survived, survived to tell the tale. And that's that. And so they're like, and so just so you know, they made up the mm-hmm. term Bali. Mm-hmm. We've never seen a Bali. They're full <laughs> right. of shit. They thought we were the Bali. I just wanted to uh, um, touch on this too. Um, before, you know, we move deeper, you know, t- you know, towards the end. Um, I don't remember what podcast it was. I'm sure someone listening will be able to tell us. But there was a point in time where Bob made reference to smoking crack out of babies' butts. Right? Yes. Yes. That's on page 14 of this clan book. Um, the quote is smoking crack out of babies' asses. And uh, that's where you can find it. Thank you. You're welcome. I just figured, uh, you know, you know, I'd uh, well, as soon as I read it, I was like, oh yeah, there it is. Because I knew I know I read it. Right, right. <laughs> I knew I read it. It was a profound <laughs> one. So yes, that's uh, 
That's that's right here, actually. Yeah, let me let me. Uh, I'll jump to it. I'll just read you guys the quote, you know, because I think it's uh, really going to add a lot to this podcast. All right, uh, Lumbach Ruthven is fairly righteous, but part of me thinks he's been smoking crack out of babies' asses. I got to look at his precious journal when he wasn't around, and there's some wild shit in there. He claims he saw Lugaj Bloodbreaker commit Amaranth and the Eldest itself before the Antediluvian went ahead and pulled a fast one on him. That means that Lugaj, who's in Torpor somewhere in the Carpathians, is actually Shamasay now. All right, cool, whatever. Later, Lombok tells me the Eldest's a mutated fucking patch of -of out-of-control cannabis living beneath New York and spreading through the sewers like a weed. Uh, I know to you this sounds like moist and runny shit, but you got to respect the fact that we can do some scary ass stuff. Lombok's tail means one of two things. One, he took a big hit off that baby butt. <laughs> or two, the legends of our uh, legends our sires told us were true. What? You know which one? I'm talking about where Shamase can manifest in any of us and turn us into it. If that's true, then there's at least two Shamase antediluvians running around right now and we're doubly screwed. What what do you mean be a good lad? What the fuck are you talking? Holy shit. Right. So, I mean, I don't know if that's uh, an overt tale that they're telling there, but it is. Yeah. Because we know because this story has an end and spoiler alert, we've already read it like 10 years ago. And it's in novels. I mean, they, right, they right, tie it all in. Right. Here's an important thing to know too. They lay the they lay, they lay the groundwork as to why he was able to separate mm-hmm. and be two entities where he's at. There's a term in here about the Bogatiri. Mm-hmm. Which means an, it's vaulted champion or enlightened champion in their in that language. Um, I was looking it up and I was actually fascinated about it. It's pretty heroic. It's basically if you think of Knights of Camelot, they didn't need to have a Camelot and special knights with powers. It was if you were honorable, and you stood by your ideals and you defended your countrymen, you were a Bogatiri. Right. Well, with the Bogatiri were here in White Wolf and this is Mies, they're the champions that washed to the doorstep of the Antediluvian during the flood. And when he came out, because he gave them a uh, sanctuary, they agreed to serve him. Now, the Bogatiri were also a form of a, like a Otoy. I, I'm butchering what they pronounced it. But basically, they were a race that, that uh, comes from the Aryan myth about the Superman. Mm-hmm. That's the Ubermansch. That's, this is what they were. They were beings who were sort of druids. They worshipped the land or were bound to the land. And no, no wood or stone would bruise their skin. And no metal would ever cut them because that is the bond they made with the earth. And there were very few of them. Right. And because the flood killed most of them. Well, that was pretty interesting. Well, what he did was he said, well, since you agreed to serve me, I must give you something in return. And he gives a piece of his own flesh to each of them to keep in a satchel on their hip. And when he's assaulted and when they have to defend him, that bit of him crawls out and covers their face and imbues them with even more power. Right. And they have a picture of them in the book where they refer to it in the heading. It's pretty horrific. Because it's allegedly his countenance and the way the artist drew it. Fuck him. Right. I don't ever want to see this guy. Uh, so so let's get down to let's get down to business because after this, we also have to talk more for our Patreon backers about the path of metamorphosis. Um, let's get down to business. Um, equal better or worse than its predecessor clan book chamase i like to look at it as a break i agree with it as it's just as important as clan Asimite that you read the first and the second for clans and Mies because the first gives you all that lugaj love mm-hmm. and why and where it came from great perspectives part two comes from a very what i like to call 
series of elders and clans and who are like thinking about the good old days right what we were and what we are now right and you need them both if you only have one you're half in it right I, so my perspective on this is uh is simple reading this clan book shows me that the original book is correct in its historical you know precedence but this is a clan in a modern day that is is it's aware that it is a shell of what it used to be and it's a clan of individuals and when you have a clan of individuals it's very difficult to move that clan towards any one goal or ideology or concept for sure right? because this is a clan that is constantly adapting and changing even from each other even politically right absolutely so this is a clan that at its face you know when we talk about the soul of the sabbat it really is and the soul of the sabbat is chaos and this clan is chaos and there are luminaries in this clan but as a as a whole the reason why they're not what the ventru are is because the ventru they're a clan right <laughs> the shamasay are a clan they're they come from the same thing but they're they're uh, ideologically completely different than what like clan ventru or clan tremere is but someday they'll all be the same, right? And I got to hammer home one thing. And it's something we'll get into in a, in a different podcast in a second. But the uh, they're not Diabras. Right, 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 right. This book highlights that there are there are those Zemis who get shoveled over the head. And we're far from those days. They right. outline that. We're far from the need of those days to just force people to join. But... That's what we, the lesser clans are for. Exactly. We don't Diabras because we know the dangers. Right. They have a very colorful tale we won't get into about what one guy allegedly experienced when he did. And then there's just the simple fact that why would you want somebody else inside you? They literally say somebody else because <laughs> right. we know the antediluvian is. Why do you want someone else? Right. And, and it's not going to last. Furthermore, the risk involved is that you lose you. Right. So this doesn't, this doesn't help us evolve. Right. Right. If we need to eat someone else in order for us to move forward, and by eat someone else, I'm not talking for sustenance. I'm not talking for genetic inherent superiority or advantage. I'm talking I'm taking their soul into mine, which says my soul was worthless right? without this other person. So how evolved are you? Right. It, it's it's about evolving, not becoming something different. It's staying true to what you are. So uh, I would say uh, my personal opinion on this is uh, this is one of my favorite clans. Bar none, it's one of my favorite clans because it is a clan that is both great and terrible and beautiful and fractured and uh, incredibly powerful and utterly weak at the same time. To me, this the, the, a lot of these people go, well, you know, they're evil Ventru, they're da-da-da-da-da, you know, it, it, but it does appeal to me and my vision of horror in so many ways. I Man, we're, I want to debate these people. Like, evil Ventru, just help me see. Right. <laughs> well, can you right. read a clan book? I no, mean, just, yeah, they're, just, they're, they're so diametrically well, well, different. Have you, have you heard about the, uh, well, well, what nerd words, right? Yep. We're reviewing a book. We're not, we're not here to review no, or we're debate good. opinions about the clan. We personally think, great clan book. It really brings this clan into the modern times. And also gives you all of the the discipline powers and the merits and all the all the add-ons that all the you, crunch that, that right all the crunch that you want, but it also gives you all the flavor to go with that crunch. So uh, definitely check it out. This is a clan that is deep and intricate. And even though I think they were an afterthought to the original writing of the game, they've become more important than most any other clan. So agreed. Uh, yeah, definitely check it out next week. 
And actually, stick with us because uh, those of you that support us on Patreon, we're going to be reviewing the the path that goes along with this clan because we're cool. All right. So for those of you who like a little bit of uh, manipulation and subterfuge, we have the followers of Set next week. Some snake action, some hippo action, whatever. Um, yeah, so uh, for those of you interested, we will be reviewing the revised edition of a hippo follower action. of Set. Yeah, hippos. Yeah. I just keep thinking of hungry, hungry hippos. That is, that is what they are. They are hungry, hungry hippos. They like to eat white dots. Anyways, I'm Nathan. And I'm Bob. And uh, we will be back with you next week. He loves me on the operating table. A filthy mask filtering. No reflection there. In those sunken diamond eyes. Reaching out from the cold, Dr. Tom.